the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We come this day, the Sunday after the Feast of the Holy Cross, and see it planted in the midst of the church. I was thinking uh, this morning about the instrument of death being exalted. You know, we, see a, we don't see a guillotine, we don't see a gas chamber, an electric chair, uh, any other form of death being exalted. In the Christian faith, we see <coughs> the element of death actually being exalted. <clears throat> why is this? Why is this? It's very important to understand why we honor the, 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 where Christ died. Because through his death, we experience resurrection. Through his sorrow, we experience joy. <clears throat> Through his pain, we experience relief. It's so very important for us to understand the, the need for us to step into this moment of celebrating death because we, in the same means we celebrate death, we celebrate resurrection. Before thy cross, we fall down before thee. And, and thy holy resurrection, we glorify. We fall down before the cross, and we glorify the resurrection. So the cross for us is life. It's gain. It's passage. It's Pascha. Passage to heaven. It gets us to a place we cannot go without it. We can't find life without death. We can't, found, we can't find true joy without sorrow. We have to walk through this moment. As Christ walked through the moment of death, we too must walk through this. So we exalt the cross. We honor the cross. In the hymns yesterday, it was so beautiful. Uh, on the cross. Rejoice, O life-bearing cross. Not death-bearing cross. Life-bearing cross. The invincible, banner, the invincible banner of godliness. The gate of paradise. How do you get to paradise? What's the gateway? The Holy Cross. Wow. Protection of the faithful. The cross is the might of the church. Through it, corruption is abolished. Our corruption, our sinfulness, our weaknesses are all taken on. Take, Christ takes them on and abolishes them. Glory to God. Through it, the power of death is crushed. It's, it's not just removed. It's crushed. In St. John's homily, it says it's abolished. It's annihilated. You need to get happy here. This is awesome. The cross is our salvation. It's everything to us. We are raised from earth to heaven. You heard it in the hymn today? It, it's the ladder. How do you get to heaven? Through the cross. The invincible weapon of peace. 
Do we need peace in ourselves and in this world? Yes. It's the weapon of peace. The cross is the enemy of demons. Are you bothered at all by evil thoughts? You know what you can do? Cross yourself. It's the enemy of demons. The glory of martyrs, the haven of salvation. On and on. A few more. The shattering, uh, O cross, worthy of all honor, you're a sign of true joy. Because our loving God gave his life for us on that wood. Your loving God gave his life for you on that wood. That's joy. You are our help, the strength of the faithful, the power of the righteous man, the majesty of priests, all who sign themselves with you are freed from danger. On and on and on. So we exalt the cross. We stand with the cross and say it's life, it's gain, it's power, it's passage, it's Pascha for us. So how do we engage this then? How does it practically work out in our life for the cross to be this for us? As we say, we need to put, we, in our following Christ, we must experience death to experience resurrection. So I want to talk about three things this morning. We must die to the world, and we must die to hope in others. That's kind of odd. We must die to self. Okay. We must die to this world, but raised to the kingdom. This is not your home. Let's say that this is not my home. This is not my home. You need to say that. You know, when you come to communion, I want to encourage you to do this. You should say servant of God or handmaid of God and say your name and your saint's name too because you're identifying yourself not of this world. You're not the servant of the United States. You're the servant of God. You're a servant of God. You're in another kingdom. So important for us to understand this. When Jan and I were on vacation, we had a beautiful time with uh, Father David Cruzy and his family down there. And his daughter plays in an incredible uh, band orchestra at Palm Springs High School that actually went back to the inauguration. They marched in the inauguration uh, of uh, President Obama. Really powerful group of kids. And they did a tribute, uh, the 9-11 tribute. It was awesome. It was really neat. I mean, it was just so, we're so blessed to be in a country that uh, responds the way it responded, that people ran into the, the firemen that ran into the building when everybody was running out, the policemen that gave their lives and sacrificed much in those times, all the armed forces. It was just a beautiful thing. You know, and so I, I, I was warmed by being an American citizen. It was a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I, I do render to Caesar what Caesar's. I am grateful, very grateful, for living in this country, for being, uh, being an America, being an American. Thanks be to God for that. But this is not my home. This isn't my home. 
This is temporary. I'm an American citizen for maybe 70 plus years. Maybe. I haven't made it there yet. At least 65 so far. But I am a member of the eternal kingdom of God. That's forever. That's my forever place. That's where I put my hope. That's where I put my that's where I plant my flag. I'm proud to be an American, but I am more proud of being a member of the kingdom of God. That kingdom, beloved, is full of peace, joy, and righteousness. It's an everlasting kingdom, and the gates of hell will not defeat it. There won't be any planes banging into the holy mansions in the kingdom of heaven. That's done. I'm a member of the kingdom of God. You're a member of the kingdom of God. So plant that deeply in yourselves. That's such an important place. You know, when you say at the end of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. You could say in your back of your mind, for mine is the kingdom. Mine is the kingdom. That's my kingdom. That's where I belong. So first we must, we must understand that we have to die to this world, but are raised into the eternal kingdom of God. That's where, our, that's where we plant ourselves. So first. Second, we must die to hope in others. <clears throat> What's this mean? Ever depended on somebody? And they disappointed you? Well, let's we should say it this way. How many times have you been disappointed by somebody you have depended on? <laughs> Has that ever happened? You know, there's a great coach, Coach uh, Scott O'Leary, a uh, baseball coach at DP High School, a legend in high school baseball. <clears throat> Taught so many kids how to play the game correctly. He said something one time in a, uh, in a coaching clinic that I was in. Uh, he said, you need to, for a, it's, he was talking about a first baseman receiving the ball from the infielders after a ground ball. And he said, you need to expect a bad throw. Because if you don't expect it, you're not going to be ready to respond to it. You're expecting the ball to be there but it's over there, so you must expect the fact that the ball's going to not come where you expect it to come. So in relationships, expect a bad throw. You come home. I come home from a hard day, and I expect my wife to be nice to me. <laughs> She's not here today, so I can really badger her. I expect her to say, sit down, honey. Let me make you a cup of tea. You've had a hard day. Why don't you put your feet up on the table? Let me take your shoes off. So I walk in expecting that. You know, you didn't take the trash out today. We missed the trash thing here today. But I need to expect the bad throw. Expect the bad throw. You can't expect from people to be perfect. We don't hope in other people's perfection. That's not fair to them. That's not fair to you, but it's not fair to them either. You cannot hope in others' perfection. 
Expect a bad throw. Forgive them. Tolerate. Endure. Be patient. Ooh, those sound like virtues. Oh, be virtuous. Just be virtuous. Be, understand that this is such an important aspect of our faith. This is the cross we bear. We bear other people's imperfections. Can you do that? That's part of your cross. The people you know, the people you live with, God gave those people to you for your salvation. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you bearing well? Are you bearing virtuously? Expect the bad throw and respond to it virtuously. Make a great catch. So to me, that's such an important aspect of our faith, not placing hope in other people's perfection. You'll destroy yourself and your relationships if that's what you're expecting. What you should expect is to be forgiving, be excusing. There's a great story of a monk uh, walked through uh, a monastery, walked through one cell, and the cell was a mess. And he was looking at the cell, and he said, oh, my gosh, this monk must be such a good monk because he, he has no time to clean his room. He must pray all the time. What an incredible monk this must be. And he walks by the next cell, and the next cell is perfect. And he says, oh, this monk is, must be such a great monk because he's, he's so wonderfully organized. His life must be so organized. What a, what a wonderful monk this is. He didn't judge either. He excused them. You know, uh, I think it was Elder Pavlos, was who's here, said, the one thing we can do that can be, that everybody can do, is not judge. Everybody can do that. Just don't judge others. Excuse them, forgive them. Don't judge them. That, that puts us in a place that's very, very hard to remove ourselves from, that judgment. But when we excuse and forgive, that's a very calm and peaceful place. So don't hope in the perfection of others. Especially your priest. <laughs> Die to self. We must do this. We save our life, the Lord says, if we work to save our life, we will lose it. But if we lose ourselves for his sake, we will gain it. Then he goes on, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul? So for us, our effort, our death to self is to live in Christ. It's not just to die to self, but it's to live in Christ. Remember, there used to be little bracelets. We probably still have them. Uh, what, is, what would Jesus do? Okay, I'm going to change that. Not that it's bad. I'd say, what is he doing? What's he saying for you to do? Not as an example, but you can hear and see from Christ. Stop and listen. Stop and listen to him. 
What's he saying? What's he telling me to do? St. Paul said it in the epistle. It's no longer me. But what, how does that conclude? But Christ who lives in me. It's no longer my voice, my mind. It's his mind. I want to conform to him. So what is Jesus doing? When you come to those troubled moments, when you come to those issues where you need to have wisdom, don't jump out thinking you got it. Pause and turn to Christ and find out what he would have you do. What is Christ saying? And it's usually not a very loud voice. In fact, it's normally quiet and stilling and peaceful. What's he saying to do? Calms you down. So my encouragement is, it's not that we don't, uh, the, the, the self is important, but the self in Christ is, is where we need to be, not without him. Because when we move without Christ, we move into places of pride and uh, uh, self-justification, self-indulgence, all those selves get involved. But when we move to Christ, it becomes an unselfish, loving place where I find peace and I find a joy in others. So these three things. We are membered first to the kingdom of God. We die to this world, but we're membered to the kingdom. We die to hope in the perfection of others, but we hope in our own response virtuously to their imperfections. And finally, we die to self, and we turn to Christ as he is our director. Not, not us without him, but us with him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.